cash-based practice owners interview series where I, Dr. Morgan Mies, PT, am interviewing different clinicians across the country who practice in a variety of ways, but all outside of being in network with insurance. The world of entrepreneurship and business for healthcare professionals is full of knowledge, creativity, and amazing people just like you who wanted something different. If this sounds like you and you're ready to get your business off the ground, please find me on Facebook in the Cash-Based Healthcare Entrepreneurs Group or on my website at morganbeast.com. I would love to speak with you. So please join me as I interview our guest today. Today's guest is Brad Cody. Brad is a dual licensed health practitioner and successful clinic owner from Canada, where healthcare is free. He is the founder of Link Performance Therapy, a successful cash pay private practice with a focus on athletes. He has grown his clinic from zero to seven figures of revenue within 18 months of operation using a combination of proven structures, systems, and strategies that he now shares with healthcare business owners across North America who are looking to gain new patients and grow their business. Welcome, Brad. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And uh, ignore the boxes on this side or other side, whatever way we're on here. <laughs> the process of packing uh, to move in the next little uh, next little bit. Yeah, exciting. Um, cool. Well, so while we have you here today, you know, we're gonna talk through a little bit on your journey and see what tips you have for newbies and people wanting to get into business or struggling in their business. And I know that you have all the answers, so <laughs> I'm excited. Well, a few, maybe not all. <laughs> yeah, but um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, and what led you to where you are today. Sure. So. Um, I'm a dual licensed practitioner. I'm an osteopath and RMT. Um, I've been in the industry for about 13 years approximately now. Um, originally, I actually started as a personal trainer um, and then got my medical licenses and, and kind of grew from that aspect. Um, before that, I actually had was kind of going into the business world and I had a liquidation business that I learned a lot from. So when I was really young in my teenage years, when I was in high school, I started this arbitrage business. Basically, I worked at Zellers, which is like Target in the US. Um, and I would take return merchandise and stuff that was end of season and stuff. And I would arbitrage it using eBay. That's kind of how I started my sort of real career um, in entrepreneurial uh, kind of life. So did that for a period of time, realized I didn't really like it quite as much as I as I wanted to. I was always into fitness and health and really being able to, to solve problems. And I always was very intrigued with how the body works. So I ended up wanted to go back to school um, to you know, learn that stuff and become a physio. And back then at that point, it was actually a post-grad program. So you go for four years and then two years after. Um, and for me, I sort of was in a physio male-based place and I was like, oh man, this, this actually really kind of sucks. Um, and there's a friend of mine who was an osteopath and he really was uh, bridging the gap of like getting better results than a lot of what I was seeing in the clinic. So clinic, you know, we'd see people for, very short periods of time. I give them some tubing exercises or whatever, hot cold packs, and that's about it. Um, so people aren't getting better. And I would ask questions like, you know, what, like why are personal trainers and this these osteopath getting better results? And, and what I kind of learned was, you know, a lot of what we were taught was like very systems based stuff to not really question or think outside of like, hey, the book says to do this or do this kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. So I was lucky from the early stages of my career 
um, meeting kind of people who thought outside the box and did the stuff sort of differently. Uh, and I started to go down that route. So it allowed me to um, really have a comprehensive background in terms of being able to train and understand biomechanics from that standpoint, as mm -hmm. well when I started getting into treatments, understanding on how to integrate those things. So over time, I started to really look at people and, and about systems and kind of the strategies behind treatment techniques and how to really get better results. And over the years, um, I had really successful health practices as solo practitioner. Um, you know, my first year in solo practice, I was charging, around, I think, 130 bucks right out of school. And I think I made around 150 grand for like, I obviously worked a ton doing that, but I, I made quite a bit and had a lot of success just because I had some marketing experience and sales experience and kind of the business aspect before. Um, but I also did have a bit of my network and, and that's kind of one tip I'll say is if you're in school now, you can market now, you can, you know, you can't say, Hey, I'm a licensed practitioner, but you can start the process of doing things. Um, and I've had a couple other colleagues who've had really good success. So when they, they're out of school, boom, they've got a bunch of clients. Um, so through the years, uh, I sort of been dabbling in terms of trying to get my business to create more leverage because. You know, when you first start out, a lot of it's about like, hey, I just need to make money. Is this going to work? Like, how's things going to, you know, kind of go with this? Um, and I had a lot of success, partly because I, I invested a lot of time and I sort of had some years of experience prior in, in a different industry. Um, so, but what happened was I needed to create leverage in my business because I can only treat so many people. I can only charge so much money and I, and I can't go from there. So what I started to look at was investing in other ways that I could create leverage in my business. So. Uh, naturally, I started to build a bit of a team of trainers and other practitioners uh, that I could refer out to and kind of grew a pseudo business. Um, and then this was really important because I started to work with NFL and NHL athletes for about two and a half years. And I was traveling all of the time, like I'd be gone three weeks out of the month. And, you know, it's a really awesome experience working with those people, but I couldn't necessarily see my patients. So instead of me just collapsing my business at home, I was able to start to, um, you know, give people to other people and, and so on as well. And with that, um, I started doing some consulting at the same time, uh, really bridging the gap initially between training, uh, really adding other streams of income. So bridging the gap between training and clinic and really bringing gyms and clinics together. Uh, and then started working with people on their hiring processes or their marketing strategies, sales process uh, and whatnot. So naturally over time, what happened to us, I ended up getting a space and having a clinic and um, really having a lot of success with that clinic. We went from five to 15 staff within the first year and um, broke seven figures in the first year. So uh, had a lot of uh, kind of, ex you know, fun and experience with that. Um, but after a little while, I sort of realized like, I didn't really enjoy running the business per se and being the face of the business. I was really good at doing back end stuff. And at the same time, I had a lot of people asking me, well, how did you, like, how did you grow the business like so fast? How did you do these different marketing strategies? How did you have Facebook work so well? So I was starting to document the processes of what I was doing and implementing these other businesses and friends and colleagues um, that were, you know, struggling. So what I started to realize was, hey, I could probably do more, you know, on back end stuff and whatnot and, um, you know, started to transition. So I ended up selling my one clinic and gym combo that I had to a colleague of mine last year. Um, mm -hmm. And then I more invested into other businesses. I got two other clinics now that I'm working with where I'm doing the back end strategic planning and that type of stuff. Um, and then working on the, uh, 
the consulting and coaching. And that's kind of where I'm at now is really working with health practice owners or health mm-hmm. business owners on um, generally people who are up and running. They've got some momentum going. They might need to learn how to hire or really create systems and structures and strategies in their business to be able to give them leverage to make more profits and ultimately be able to grow, um, you know, and, and navigate their business as they as they you know, have more success. So it's kind of the uh, exponented version of where I was and kind of where I am now. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I know you've had quite the journey and have kind of like run the gamut with all kinds of things that you're doing. So that's awesome. What's been like your favorite part about all of it, about your entrepreneurship journey? I think the big thing with entrepreneurship is like, you just have, you really have a control to be able to um, map out something that you like really build something and create it and map out and, and actually accomplish, um, you know, something. And and for me, I've basically at this point in my life, I've really realized I'm pretty much unemployable because you know, <laughs> for me, I'm always focusing on optimizing and it's very difficult for me to kind of like, you know, just sort of, you know, settle and stuff. And, and not that there's anything wrong. There's a lot of people who, you know, are, you know, happy doing, you know, working and going home and not having to do it. But for me, I like, it's always a bit of like who I am and the constant mm-hmm. pursuit for being able to, you know, improve what it is I'm doing and uh, to make more of an impact and to, you know, write your own paycheck, so to speak. And, and, you know, even when you go through hardships, I think that they help to create challenges and, and that really improves you as a person. Um, and it allows you to, you know, look at things differently and, and whatnot. So I, I don't know. I think you have to be a little bit crazy sometimes to um, kind of be there. You got, at least got to have that mindset. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like one thing that I always tell people is like building your own business is probably the single greatest self-development tool that you could ever, you know, start using. Um, because like, you'll just, you'll learn so much about yourself. You'll learn like how to, you know, leverage your time, for example, you know, I know that that's one thing that you really focus on, but it just, for, at least for me, it sounds woo woo, but it like lights up your world in a way that like a regular, just ordinary job won't, you know, you'll grow in so many different ways. Exactly. And you can make a huge impact. So like as health practitioners, you know, we can make huge impacts in people's lives that go beyond just like fixing their hip pain. It's like, you know, you mm-hmm. improve the quality of their life or improve their independence and in being able to do something. And, and even as, you know, business coaches, you're able to really help someone who might be struggling because we don't learn a lot of this stuff in school, um, how to really be successful. And, and in Canada where I'm from, it's like, you know, we're taught healthcare is not a business and marketing's bad and sales is bad. And they don't really teach you anything other than like, you know, be, do good work and you'll get lots of clients. And the reality is it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, you know, so a little bit, but like, it's hard to really rely on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, same here, like in the U S at least like with my program and a lot of other programs I've talked to people about, you know, like you are spit out of school as like somebody who can just be a piece in another machine, you know, and mm-hmm. like, you aren't really taught, how to do a lot of things on your own, or like you were saying before, like how to think outside of the box. Um, and I think it's a big step for people. So like if somebody was like, you know, just chugging along at their like regular job, but they like started to have like this whisper in their ear that maybe they should start their own thing. What like advice would you give them um, in order to make that jump and start their own thing? 
For sure. So I would say like, if you're starting to feel like, Hey, you're entrepreneurial and you really want to, you know, get up and running, um, you know, you definitely re you really want to make sure that you, you, um, have a bit of a plan as well. So I would say like start mapping it out is probably a really big thing because you don't want to just, um, you know, quit your job and just jump into it right away. You want to have a bit of a plan. So for me, I'm a really big strategy and systems based guy. So I would start mapping it out and really putting together a plan to say, okay, well, in three months, what needs to happen? Um, you know, in, in order for, I guess, even you're starting out, like what needs to happen to even just get going? Like, am I starting a corporation? Do I need to get a prof corp? Like, you know, what do I need to do? Set up my tax accounts, bank accounts, like there's all these logistical things. So really mapping this stuff out and, um, you know, making sure that you have like a bit of a plan about where you want to be. Where do you want to be in three months? How many clients do you want on the schedule? How much money do you want to make? Um, how are you going to get there? And while sometimes that people will say, well, you know, that that's killing my buzz. It's like the reality is, is you want to deal with it now instead of having to deal with it in the future. And then you're stressed and everything else into there. And I guess to kind of tie into this um, is you really want to ask yourself why you want to have the business in the first place, because business is hard. And, uh, oh, you know, I'm just giving people kind of a reality check to some degree. It's like you got to really have a mindset and something that's holding you to doing it. If you just want to have a business because you think you're going to make a lot more money, you know, that's not a really great reason that's going to hold you to it when things go wrong or things are stressful or people don't rebook or COVID hits again. Like, you know, we, you really want to have something that's holding you there. For me, a lot of it was I wanted to make a bigger impact and treat based on the philosophies that I believe. And I wanted to grow a network of other practitioners who could really get optimal results for patients and, and in the system that I believe in and, and creating the culture where everyone's learning and, you know, constantly improving ourselves, um, both clinically and from kind of like a personal development standpoint. So for me, you know, that didn't exist. So I had to really create that uh, in order to help fulfill something partially because I'm selfish, I wanted it. But also I saw it as a gap in the marketplace mm -hmm. uh, that was needed both from a patient and practitioner standpoint. So really have that you know, that shining star that you can look to on the days when everything goes wrong. Because the reality is, is that, you know, business will not always go as smooth as you want it. And you got to have something that anchors you. And just making more money, a lot of the time, you know, I've seen this with people, they just say, hey, well, it's not worth it. And as soon as something happens, they just, you know, they're not really as committed to that process. Yeah. And like, I think commitment is a huge thing that it's just like, like a characteristic, kind of like a skill somewhere in there that at least for me, um, it's been something that's been coming up a lot more with the different people that I talk to. And so evaluating like your ability to commit to doing something, I think is really important when you're first getting started as well, you know, and being honest about that. For sure. Yeah. And you've got to really, um, you know, people will tell you, yeah, it's a great idea. Or people will tell you, no, it's a terrible idea. The reality is like, you've got to like, you can do anything you really want to. I, I really believe that, you know, obviously mm -hmm. for the reason, but um, you can pretty much do whatever you want and create what you want, but you've got, it starts with you and your mindset. And as an entrepreneur, that's one of the most um, overlooked kind of things that people don't necessarily take into consideration um, is you've got to be, you've got to have the right mindset. And, you know, there's a book, a lot of people have read called Mindset. Uh, coincidentally enough by Carol Dweck. And if you haven't read it, um, don't just look at the last page because the last page basically summarizes all of it. It's like growth mindset and fixed. So growth mindset is like, Hey, you know, 
things are bad, but what can I do in order to create an opportunity? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and realizing that every, every situation there is potential positive. We just got to figure out what's going to happen and bad stuff is going to happen to you. You've got to look at it in a different way. You can look at it positive or you can look at it negative and the fixed mindset's negative. You're going to be really challenged in terms of growing if you get into that state. So you've got to have that positive, positive mindset and, and adopting that. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely something that is really helpful when you're struggling. And I know that you have, you've had a long journey with everything, but if you can kind of think back to like when you first started charging people for therapy services and you first started like that aspect of your journey in business, what were like one or two of like the biggest challenges that you faced at the very beginning stages? Yeah. So the, I have a little bit different of a journey just because I had, you know, I always say this full disclosure, like I had a bit more experience and like, I'm, I'm a super direct person. So I like always, you know, go into it hundred percent. So for me, um, the first, the first major problem that I had was I had a bunch of clients because I was doing personal training before I had a really good network and I started marketing prior to opening a practice. And I actually, I actually moved and moved to Toronto from, I was in London before about two and a half hours away. So I had to completely start my practice. So I start, I set up joint ventures, started doing workshops, um, you know, connecting with people that were in my network. And what mm -hmm. happened as the first problem was everyone always tells you market, 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 get new patients all the time. And if Jerry Durham's listening to this, he'll love this story. So, uh, you know, get new patients on the schedule. Well, I was doing that and my marketing was going good. I had tons of people coming in, but I actually started to have problems and complaints because people couldn't get booked in. So if you were coming to see me, I would say, yeah, let's book you in again. You go to booking the schedule. I can't see you for like four weeks. So you would inevitably actually start going to see other people. So mm -hmm. yes, marketing and new patients is one aspect of this, of that, but you also need to have a system in place to make sure that people are coming in and doing things. So I started learning about plans of care and selling prescriptions of treatment. Um, what we call them in, in uh, Canada here. And that was more based on, okay, Morgan, I'm shifting my model from just doing like commodity treatment, treatment, treatment. And, you know, I was still doing hours and half hours and fully focused on you. So I wasn't doing like the mill kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, but it was not as leverageable because I wasn't sitting down with you and saying, okay, Morgan, based on your problem, you need to do, you know, six appointments. Let's schedule them all out now. So that was my first problem. I was losing people doing all this marketing, putting in hard work seeing you and you getting pissed off and having to go see another therapist, you know, no fault of, of you, obviously, but you need to get treatment and I'm not available. It is what it is. So that was kind of my first roadblock is sort of saying like, damn, what am I doing wrong? What else do I need to do in order to kind of bridge this gap? And that's when I started looking at systems and looking at sales processes and really being more efficient at what I was doing. So then I started rolling out plans of care and really taking what I was doing with the personal training aspect and doing, you know, we call them basically consultations, which is the same sort of thing. And, and we'd sit down and actually start mapping out what I would do for personal training and use it for therapy. So mm -hmm. it was a completely different approach that no one was doing. When mm -hmm. I started doing that, it allowed me to go from that 130 to $200 and people ended up you know, paying it and committing to full plans of care. So mm -hmm. one of the big things that um, you know I always say is look outside your industry. Well, personal training, being a personal trainer first, it's way harder than physio or massage or anything else because, um, you know, one personal training is kind of a luxury item. And I worked in a corporate gym where we had to sell, you ate 
what you killed, so to speak. So, you know, there's people who worked 60 hours a week and got paid like 300 bucks, if that, because they couldn't do sales, they couldn't do everything else. So in the very beginning stages, I, I really took those concepts and, of the consultative selling process and implemented them in, into therapy. And that's really allowed me to start to catapult. So that was kind of the first major roadblock that I would say hit me um, there. The second one that I would say is really notable was um, partly was getting out of a bad environment that I was renting out of and taking my team because I was kind of creating a business within a business, um, renting space. Um, so, you know, that's, I guess, not as noteworthy, so to speak. But that was one thing is like just being able to grow a team and find people that are like you. Because entrepreneurship can be kind of uh, difficult at times. And you want to find people who believe in the same things as you and create a bit of a, uh, you know, a culture with them. So that way you've got people who can support you and joint ventures and everything else. So that was kind of a, like an ongoing process. And I still do that to today. I mean, that's how we, we kind of met, right? Yeah. Uh, so the next biggest step I would say was, um, for me, was opening the clinic. And again, I had a lot of success very fast with marketing, with the networks I had. And the major bog down there was hiring. So that, that process basically was, you know, a catastrophe for a long period of time. And I was looking at other coaches who were saying, you know, follow these programs and everything. And, and it was, it was not until I started to look outside the industry. I, I learned a lot from the food-based industry in terms of hiring, uh, creating culture as well. There's a really good book by um, Gino Wickman called Traction, uh, which really opened my eyes to understanding culture. It's a lot of corporate based stuff, but um, you can really distill down the things to your business. Mm -hmm. um, so I started to really tackle that. And that cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, way too much stress and months and months trying to figure stuff out. Um, so when I started to implement those hiring strategies and understanding that process and kind of, you know, making my own system for that, um, I started to have success. And then that was what allowed me to kind of catapult and add another about 400K a year onto sales just in way less stress. I didn't have to even be in there most of the time because I had the right people in the right place. So those are really the two things that I would say that were, you know, the biggest, biggest challenges um, for me. Um, there's obviously little things in between, but those are the ones that stand out. And traditionally what I hear from people a lot is like, you know, the beginning stages is, is so people are so excited and amped up, but they don't have a real good strategy for their marketing and systems and everything. So they basically are building a house on sand. And over time, if you, the more you keep building, the less stable it is. So, you know, really setting that foundation off the bat is absolutely crucial because that, that's what set me back a couple of stages. Even when I opened the clinic, I didn't have a solid enough foundation for hiring processes and onboarding and retaining those, those people. Um, so it, it caused me a bunch of problems. Um, and you know, that's just life and, and what we learn. but that's usually what I, what I see. And when people are doing really well and they want to get to the next level, they look at stuff like, Hey, I'll just hire some people. Well, I can tell you from experience, it's significantly more harder and, and more of a challenge. But if you mess that up, it costs, it can cost you a lot like headaches. I've had a lawsuit with a, with a, I hired a friend of mine who basically stole money from us and had a lawsuit against it. Like there's all sorts of problems that could happen if you hire wrong. So definitely make sure you have a good strategy uh, and, you know, make sure you have, uh, you have that set up. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was all such good advice. Um, and you guys that are listening, like 
Brad is a guy, like he said, you know, like if you are up and going and things are running like pretty well, but you're just like ready to go to the next level, especially if you need the hiring, Brad's your guy. <laughs> you can talk yeah. to him about that. I can definitely um, share my experiences to save you uh, lots of money and time and, and yeah. hair and stress and everything else. <laughs> Pulling your hair out. Awesome. Cool. Um, and then like the number one question that I get all the time, especially from people who are just starting and have never really had any business experience is where do I find clients? Who's even going to pay me? How, do, what is marketing? Um, questions like that. So I would love to hear what you have to say about those. Sure. So, you know, what I would say is, is like, and I think you bring up an important part is you really need to look at your business um, in terms of the structure. So there's really four main components to any kind of healthcare business. So the first one is marketing. Um, some people will argue it's sales. I disagree because marketing gets people to know you exist. If people don't know you exist, they can't buy anything from you. So the next thing is sales. Then we've got to sell the person on the value or whatever it is to get them paid mm -hmm. on the schedule. And then you know the next is operations or delivery of your service. That can be both from an experience standpoint as well as a practitioner standpoint. And then last, you've got finance. So you're really always moving from, from marketing to sales to, to delivery of service and to finance. And then finance brings you back money so that you can invest it into marketing and so on. So really mapping that out is kind of like the first sort of step is understanding that process and making sure that you have some sort of like idea on how you're going to address each one. So... I've had people before that don't know how to take payments um, or don't really know how to sell or how to do a consultation. And, and those are things that we really got to look at to start. So, uh, you know, that kind of goes into a bit of your planning before you start. Um, and to answer your question, kind of like where should you start in terms of marketing? It really depends on your skill sets and where you are in your in your business and your your experiences and so on. Traditionally, and, and I, I think I tagged in that video that I shot, just sort of did a bit of an overview. Traditionally, like where I like to start for most people is to take do kind of a, like the lowest hanging fruit. So I like to work with people that you already have in your network. Um, ideally, you have some sort of patients or people you're working with and maybe one capacity or another and they might follow you if you if you're leaving your practice and so on. Um, you know, but for let's say we'll take the hardest scenario, you take you take me, you transplant me and put me into you know, some random place that I have no connections with, you know, I've never been to North Dakota. So let's say, say we put me there and, and I have no connections. The first things that I would do is I would be setting up joint ventures and I would strategically be setting up joint ventures. I do it a lot, you know, more differently than, Hey, here's my business card, you know, referring people. Hey, I'm a new in the area, referring people. We want to have something that actually is tangible, trackable, and yes, we want people to know us, but we want to be able to set up some strategic partnerships or joint ventures that are going to bring patients in. So there's a little bit of, you know, there's kind of details with that. But generally what I do is I meet with people who align with me mm -hmm. uh, and who are most like synergistic. So I kind of say it's like this. It, you've got things that are before your service and after. So for example, a personal trainer could be a really good person to partner with as a health practitioner because they have people who are already investing in personal training. So they probably care about their health to some degree. Mm -hmm. They probably have some sort of aches and pains and things that they want solved. And um, they, they already um, probably have utilized services that are like yours in some capacity. 
So if I went with a personal trainer, I would want to position the appointment more about how, hey, hey you know, I'm a new therapist in the area. I'm connecting with other people um, just to see if there's a potential for me to help support you and your clients. And maybe there's a way for us to collaborate. I really appreciate that you do XYZ exercise. Um, and I'd love to chat a little bit more about your business. I go and actually have a phone call or meet for coffee. You know, now COVID, you can't really do too much. So use what's appropriate. Either a phone call, Zoom call like we're doing now um, or meet them in person and just learn a little bit more about their business. What's going well? What's not going well? What problems do they have? What problems do their clients have? And then see, can you bridge the gap? Then what you can do is actually put together a bit of a proposal and say, hey, you know, based on your problems that you're having here, I can help you retain your clients longer. So they're going to train with you longer. They're going to get better results because they're going to be pain-free. They can increase the range of motion so you can do more exercises. They're going to feel more accomplished, burn more fat, have better metabolism. You know, I'm generalizing right here. But if I position a relationship that way, the person is going to be more interested. So the JV or partnership needs to be sold on how you can help the person that you're communicating with get what they want to have. And that's an absolute critical thing that a lot of people miss when they're setting up joint ventures. So joint ventures definitely would do it. I have a, a training thing, like a video on it. If you want it, I can uh, can give it to you. You can post it to your, your community. Um, and so J JVs are one thing that I would do. The next thing that I started to do was workshops. And in-person workshops were the ones that I did at the time. Uh, and really what I did was, part of the reason I did workshops was because I didn't wanna do one-on-one -on -one selling. So workshops are huge because you can do one-to-many. Um, I would have 20 people into a workshop, 25 people, 30 people sometimes, sometimes 10, depending on what I'm you know, targeting. Um, but I would basically be selling to one to many and I would probably book five or six uh, appointments immediately after that someone would pay. And then a couple of people I would be able to follow up with, uh, which is another thing, you know, you obviously want to have that follow up sequence. So those are really the two things I would do, JVs, because that will get you up and running faster than anything else. Yeah, it kind of sucks if you're not super outgoing, but it's going to be the fastest way to fast track your business because all the people they're going to be sending you or, you know, vice versa, they're going to be vouched for if you set the joint venture up properly. Yeah. Um, so it's like a referral. And then workshop is really selling one to many. Now, I leverage my joint ventures and say, hey, you know, let's say I've got a personal trainer friend and say, hey, you know, I'm doing a workshop on, you know, five ways to overcome your low back pain. Do you, can you send it to your email list of clients that you have? And I'd love for them to come. I'd love for you to come too. I'll teach you some different stuff so you can help your clients. If I have a couple of joint ventures, I can fill an entire room with just people from there. Um, you know, I could run nowadays, you know, I, you could run Facebook ads. I didn't really in the beginning. I just mm -hmm. used my network um, and found people who were most likely to be kind of having these problems. Um, and a lot of it was just through my joint ventures to kind of start. So those are really the two things. If you've got some money and you've got some experience, you don't need a ton of money. I would probably run Facebook ads just because they're cheap. They're easy to get a lot of leads from. Uh, you get some omnipresence, the community. And like, you know, if you set them up well, like you can get leads for really cheap. Um, and there's no reason why you couldn't have something selling 10 bucks a day. Like, you know, if you spent 10 bucks a day or 300 bucks a month, you could probably get a couple patients just from that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's a little bit of a technical skill and, and so on. But, you know, if you've got a bit skill set and, and you learn those things, then, you know, I would probably do that differently now. Um, but definitely those are the, the three main, main avenues. And then as your business goes, 
uh, you can start adding other things. So for me, I have really 12 streams of uh, different marketing streams that I've developed over time. Some of them would be direct mail, you know, columns in the newspaper, um, you know, joint ventures or community events and Facebook ads and Google and all that other stuff. Cool. But start with the lowest hanging fruit. Do the hard work first. Build yeah. your preeminence in the community and that will pay you back more. Like, I don't think you can cheat that. Like, you have to just do that yourself um, and it will make you a better person for doing it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think like that's one of the best things that you can do when you're first getting started is, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of therapists who have started their business and they're like, where are the patients? Like, why is nobody contacting me? Why do I not have a whole caseload on the second day? And, you know, the, the problem is, is that we haven't told anybody about our business and that we're accepting patients, you know, and then you also haven't really gone out into the community, like whether it's physical or virtual and, like gotten to know people, you know, networking is so incredibly important. And like, I think that like, that's just been like a super positive of building a business is you make a bunch of friends, which is cool, (laughs) you know, besides just for your business. Um, So I love that. I think that's really great advice. And, and yeah, I I would say one other thing too, um, that's kind of like the, you know, the overall strategy is, you, you know, kind of with what you said is you need to have a reason for people to want to contact you. And mm-hmm. one really big thing that is key and has led to my success as well is creating a segment of the marketplace and, and really creating positioning in the marketplace so that people don't see you as a physical therapist, massage or whatever, because the reality is when you go down that route, you become a commodity and as a commodity, um, people end up seeing you as everything else. So if I'm a massage therapist or physio or whatever, well, so is every, everyone's treating kind of the same thing. So is Tylenol and back, you know, back pain pills and icy hot and all that other stuff. So if I can start to create messaging and positioning in the marketplace, people are going to see me differently um, than just transactional as physio. They're going to mm-hmm. start seeing me as a person who can solve a specific problem. So Um, I really tell people like, you got to really understand who you're trying to help, like what problem you solve, who you solve it for and, and why you solve it. Like how big of a problem is it to them? So you want to be able to understand that because if you're trying to attract anyone and everyone, you're basically becoming the generalist. You're not going to be able to charge as much. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more challenging to attract people because everyone else is doing the same thing. Um, but the more you create the messaging and pick a niche of people, even in the starting stages, um, you know, I, I think that that's an absolute crucial thing. So for me, I worked with people. I said I, I worked with um, resistance or weight training athletes who have had an injury for longer than six months and saying two or more practitioners. That was messaging I was using. So I was charging 130 bucks. But the people that I was targeting, I knew had what Dan Kennedy calls, he's a marketer, a bleeding neck problem, you know, mm-hmm. which is pretty self-explanatory. Bleeding neck is not something you want to mess with as opposed to like a bleeding finger. Um, but you want to, you know, these people, they're active, they're weightlifting, resistance training athletes, and they can do the stuff they want to do because they got pain or they're limited from their exercise and it drives them nuts. They've had the issue for longer than six months. They've already invested time seeing other people. So I know those people are invested in getting results, paying the money to do so, and they're going to do the homework and stuff that I tell them to. They're invested in a result, not necessarily a specific modality. Mm-hmm. So I've never been one to really push modalities um, of like saying physio or power massage. It's more like, Hey, this is a solution you need to get. 
And remember, people buy solutions. They don't buy services. No one wakes up in the middle of the night and says, my back's killing me. I need, a, I need to see my physio. They're saying, my back's killing me. Like, I need to stop this because I got to wake up in the morning and take the kids and I'm not going to have any energy and I'm going to miss my workout and I'm going to feel like shit and you know, I'm going to be the old man. Like, that's what's going through people's heads. So we want to address that and not necessarily the, um, the other things. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And my next question, I feel like that's kind of already most of the answer, but just see if there's anything else that you want to add in. My next question that, you know, people are always wondering, because this is a group focused on like cash-based services, you know, and trying to cut out insurance or, you know, only taking like Medicare or something like that. Um, you know, people are like, how do I get people to give me money um, when like I could just use my insurance and I know like where you are, you know, healthcare is covered, right. But you're still getting people to pay you. You want to walk us through that process? Yeah. That'd be helpful. I, I've actually always been cash based, you know, mm -hmm. I'll give people write uh, a receipt and give it to them so that they can claim it through their insurance. But like, I don't do direct billing or any of that. It's just a nightmare, mm -hmm. especially if you're charging like premium rates. So what I really learned earlier on was like that from the marketing is you need positioning and you need to solve a problem. So mm -hmm. the more you can get away, if you're doing cash-based, the more you can get away with, like I'm a physio, the more you can get towards I'm solving your, I'm an expert golf fix, low back fixer, or you know I can I'm expert at getting you to run marathons pain-free, or you know I'm expert at getting you as a senior uh, more confident and independent of having to get surgeries or medications or whatever that is the more that you can provide those solutions uh, to people, the more that they're willing to pay for that. And there is a segment of population of people who will pay. It's not necessarily just affluent, but there's people who, if they've got pain, they will take money out of lines of credit or borrow from their parents or whatever it is in order to solve those problems. Obviously you need to be able to deliver on your results. Like don't promise something you can't. Like I've seen some pretty crazy stuff um, in other groups that I'm in. Like um, you know, just kind of ridiculous things like, but, uh, you know, obviously you got to deliver that result, but you want to be able to start creating that messaging, um, about solutions. Remember people buy solutions. They don't buy, um, they don't buy, uh, services. So, um, I don't know. Can I share my screen on here? I could draw. Uh, I think so. I'll see if I can, if, if I can here. Yeah, go for it. Uh, let me know if this works. Uh, if not, then. Did that work here? Can you see my whiteboard? Yeah. Can you see my whiteboard here? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, that works. So now we know that works. Um, so what I really say is when you're looking at your messaging, there's a spectrum. So here you've got really vague. This is like saying physio, massage, Cairo, um, I treat shoulder pain. That's what this is here. Everybody is saying that, including, um, including medications, uh, you know, knee braces, like, icy hot, all that stuff. So you're competing with a lot of people and a lot of different options. So there's a lot of clutter in the marketplace in this section. It's very hard to compete. You become really a commodity and you start to marginalize your business. So we don't want to be here. It's, it's too difficult. Over here, especially cash-based, over here, this is specific. So you don't want to be too specific that there's not enough of the population. So for example, we don't want to say, hey, I'm working with women triathletes who are 47 and a half years old and they also wrestle alligators. Like there's maybe two people in the world. Like it's too, too specific. You're not going to get enough people in the middle is kind of the sweet spot. 
this is where we are far enough away from the bag and we're not too specific, but we're really focused on creating messaging that start, stands out. So how you do that, is this helpful so far? Mm -hmm. uh, so how you do that is you really need three things. Your messaging is who, what, and why. So you wanna claim, you wanna state who you're helping, what you help them with, and why you help them. And this really here is the solution and the result that you're trying to get for someone and speaking to their why kind of thing. So if I'm creating messaging, I might say something along the lines of like, I'm helping men, you know, active men and women. Let's use this. So it might be a little easier to see. You know, I help active men and women over 40. What do I help? That's who. What do I help them with? I help them uh, end pain fast. I'm just making it up. You might want to be a little more specific in your messaging and why. So um, so oops, dropping my mic there. Um, so yeah, I can have something like I help active men and women over 40 and pain fast so they can live a happy, active lifestyle. So people who are who identify as active men and women over 40 who have pain who want to live a happy and active lifestyle, that's going to be a message that resonates with them. So that's kind of the, the breakdown that I use when I'm looking at creating messaging. Um, the same thing, if I was doing a workshop, I might create a workshop saying, hey, who's this workshop for? Hey, this workshop is for runners who have knee pain and want to be able to get back to running and breaking the records without pain anymore or something along those lines. So we can start to create messaging that's going to resonate with a specific target audience. Uh, I think I'm back now. Can you see me? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So that's really what I do. You can use a whiteboard, write on a piece of paper, but really brainstorm who it is that you're trying to help, what you help them with, and why you really do it. And that messaging, when you start to use it in your marketing, and um, is going to be significantly different. A lot of the time you'll hear this as the USP, unique selling proposition or mm -hmm. unique serving message, whatever you want to call it. You really want to have something that positions you in a different light of a solution person. So if someone says, Hey, Morgan, what do you do? Uh, I'm a physical therapist. They're going to have in their mind what a physical therapist is. Oh, I had one. It didn't work or, you know, whatever it is. But if you say, hey, well, what do you do? Well, I help active men and women who are 40 plus uh, end pain so that they can get back to living a happy, active lifestyle. People are going to say, okay, well, tell me about that. How do you do that? It's less about physical therapy. It's more about the solution. So that way you can kind of bridge the, the conversation and help people a little bit more like that. Um, and, and that's one thing that's been really helpful for me in, in cash practice. That's you got to get people to focus on the solutions. Yeah. If you don't, you'll have, you will have a bit of a, a hard time doing that. Yeah. That's amazing advice. That's like gold. I could not have said it better myself. Um, and I think that's huge because like, you know, you were saying one thing that you switched from, from doing kind of like session to session to session, like at the beginning, you know, you switch to, okay, hey, like this is your problem. I specialize in helping people with this problem and I know exactly what we need to do or at least like give our best shot in order to get you the solution to this problem. It's going to take, you know, X number of sessions over this amount of time, you know, would you like to go ahead and get that set up today? Um, you know, and selling things that way, it's like creating the perfect package to give people what they need in order to solve the problems that they're having. Um, instead of being like, okay, well, you know, we can start working together and we'll see what happens, you know, and it's, it's going to be 150 bucks every single time. 
um, that's like a little bit harder to swallow, I think, than like, okay, you know, it's going to be $1,500 for the duration of our time together. And by the end, your problem will be solved. Um, exactly. Yeah. And then I, like I to communicate that and, <laughs> you know, and like what you specialize in is also really important. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And it's like, that's one thing I really learned from selling personal training is that the, you know, you would sell people on longer packages because obviously they need to make results. And the people who yeah. sold monthly packages, you know, people didn't get results. And, you know, if you want to build a business, you need to get results for people and you, they need to have clarity as well. So a lot of what I found from polling patients and prospects um, is they need to have clarity in terms of what they're getting. A lot of people are actually disgruntled. Um, and I've got a ton of like, well, studies on this that I've seen as well. A lot of people get disgruntled with just thinking that it's just collecting money and I'm never really getting better. No one follows up with me. They got terrible experience. And, and that's partly driven, I think, because we're taught healthcare is not necessarily a business or we don't think of it like creating an amazing experience where someone wants to come and be a VIP. Um, so, you know, really being able to explain to people that, hey, this is your problem where you are. This is what you need to get there. Let's do this together. Um, was a huge shift in my business and it's allowed me to create a lot of leverage and really just connecting and giving better service. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, in the beginning stages, I just was like, Hey, I want to help people. I want to get tons of people in. And that's kind of what my mindset was like. But then I started to realize like, you know, I'm not really helping these people as good as possible because Morgan, I paid for her to, for my marketing to come in here and then she's seeing someone else. So, mm -hmm. you know, I kind of like started to switch and that's huge. I mean, that's why people buy cash. I'm going to be focused on you. We're going to put a plan individualized to you. I'm going to be spending the entire hour or half hour, whatever it is, dedicated on you. We're going to curate an entire business and experience based on you getting a result and feeling great and making sure this is the right fit. People will pay for that. It's the uh, Disney experience, so to speak. Um, yeah. You know, that people pay, like people pay premiums to have that experience. The movie theaters here, like people pay 50 bucks per person to go to a movie to sit in a comfy chair and have someone serve you drinks and all that other stuff. People will pay for that, but they need to understand what they're getting. And that's one thing that as a cash practitioner, aligning your message, make it a solutions based and telling people what to expect, giving them clarity. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh my gosh, there was like 10 of Brad's amazing tips <laughs> in our interview today. Thank you so much. Um, so to just kind of like end, um, on a good note and everything, because that was incredible. So much good stuff in there. Um, self promo time. So tell us a little bit more about what you're working on right now and how we can best support you. Sure. So I appreciate you having me on and, and I, you know, hope that this was giving some people some motivation and some, uh, some tips to kind of save them, uh, you know, any frustrations and scraps. And, yeah. um, you can always reach out to me. You can add me on a friend, a friend on Facebook, um, reach out any questions that you have. You go to my website, which is my name, bradcody.com. Um, some things I've worked on, uh, most recently I put together, um, a program called uh, new patient search, which is really for, people who are looking at automating their marketing, getting marketing systems set up to allow them to grow, as well as being able to implement some of those sales process, processes like we talked about, um, just feeling more confident with them, adding levels of filtering and taking some of the other things of being able to position your cash practice to uh, ultimately getting people to see you in a different light and helping with that process and, and having retention and everything. So that's um, one program that I really work on there. Um, I have some other things uh, you know, for, for Facebook ads, course, if you just want to kind of learn basics, um, as well as hiring, uh, 
you know, if you need to hire, I've got kind of the framework to save you a lot of time and frustration with that as well. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brad. Um, yeah, I can't wait for everybody else to listen to this because I think it'll be really helpful, you know, like you said, and like getting people motivated and, um, you know, like avoiding different barriers that they can throughout the process. And I know that, you know, the, the programs that you have going on right now are definitely really helpful for people who have already kind of gotten started and then like they're just struggling, <laughs> you know, and they need to take that next step. So I'll definitely be sending more people your way. But yeah, with that, that is the end of today's interview. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I really, really appreciate it. And, you know, you guys watching, depending on if you are like a super beginner, that's me. If you are in it and you're up and running, then definitely let Brad know. Um, and both of us can help you out along the whole process. For sure. Thanks so much for having me. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I am honored to be a part of this community and it is my hope that by spreading the stories of clinicians just like you who wanted something more and went after it, it will inspire you to create the life and career that you dream of and that you work so hard for. If this sounds like you and you're ready to get your business off the ground, please find me on Facebook in the Cash-Based Healthcare Entrepreneurs Group or on my website at morganmeese.com. I would love to speak with you. And you can also find me on Instagram at drmorganmeese. So who do you want to hear from next? Or would you like to be featured on this series? Please email me at morgan at I'll talk to you guys soon.